good. So I'm gonna assume that we're live, um, as we usually do. So assalamu alaikum, everyone. Uh, welcome to. So what? What episode are we on? Seventeen now. Seventeen. Sixteen. Sixteen. I keep asking this. I'm always forgetting. Yeah. Uh, so sixteenth episode. So we have a lot to talk about today. So I'm gonna get this started fairly quickly. So today I really want to talk about the history of theology in Islam, and critical. And how it's kind of changed over time and for our listeners, really help them understand theology, aqidah, um, understandings of the deen and how they've kind of changed and transitioned over time to today where we come to so much confusion. You have people saying that they're Sunnis, they're Sufis, they have some people saying that they're Salafis, they're Wahhabis, you have people pointing fingers, you have people saying they're, you know, Diobandis or Barelvis and all this other stuff, right? There's just so much going on. So the common layperson is confused, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I want to talk about is really the history of theology. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and theology from the point of view of Aqidah as well. And to sort of explain to our readers what that means and why it's not just a, a, a simple you know, silly thing to worry about. I think, first of all, the uh, I always feel sorry. I always say that I feel sorry for someone just starting to learn the deen, you know, from scratch, right? Because they're just, it's so divided. There's so many groups. Unless you come across someone who is going to say, look, this is how it is, and they inspire enough confidence in you, and then they give you the evidences you need to make sense of everything, right? Then people are really going to be uh, pinballing around because of all the names and the groups, etc. Right. So to, to start, the reason that most people start saying to themselves, well, give me the Islam just as it is with no additions, no subtractions. And the reality is that the more time passes in the Ummah, the more knowledge there is to be learned. Right. The more mistakes people have made, the more precedence Sahaba set. Take, for example, if you're a Muslim youth in the time of Umar ibn Khattab, you have one thing to learn, right? If, aside from the history of the Prophet and the Quran, you have the Riddah Wars. That's the only thing to learn, right? It's the only time that Muslims themselves, you know, did something wrong and they was corrected. Now, fast forward a hundred years after that. Now you have to study... The Rid, you have the Riddu Wars, you have the time of Umar is simple, it was peace, right? There weren't any, actually the time of Umar ibn Khattab is the only Khilafah in which there was no religious groups, right? There were no uh, groups uh, deviating in deen. The time of Uthman, you have to understand why that fitna happened. In the time of Sayyidina Ali, now you get the Khawarij, right? You get the Khawarij and you have to understand all the legal precedents. He set so many legal precedents that you have to study all that. My point is that the longer time passes in the history of Islam and the Ummah, the more you actually have to study the subject of theological history, right? Right. So when you're talking here and saying, you know, the history of theology, people are confused. Well, the only solution to this is that you actually have to learn. You have to learn the history of Aqidah. Right. right? History of Aqidah. And I, I'm going to give a breakdown. I don't know. Uh, I'll lead you, leave you to say what you wanted to say right now. But I'm going to give a very simple breakdown to people that's going to summarize what what are the demarcating major demarcating points of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's actually what I was going to get to is really the differences in the aqidah. Uh, and when we say aqidah, can you can you help define that for? So aqidah comes from the root of aqd, which is a knot. 
or an agreement or a firm of a firmly bound contract so that's what aqd is it's all these things okay and also aqd uh, has the meaning of an ornament right like a beautiful thing the thing that you're proud of if when a woman gets uh dressed her most expensive thing is the necklace right that she puts on her chest that everyone sees. So Aqidah has to do with our uh, firmly bound contract with Allah Azza wa Jal. Mm. And the terms of the contract is the Aqidah. And we have to get it right in order to receive uh, what 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 we want of what Iman or spiritual madad or, or uh, uh, faith and energy right comes to people when their Aqidah is sound. Just like if there is a um, if there's a plant and the sun is out no one's putting the sun anywhere the plant is fine you're watering it the soil is fine right which means your actions are fine however there are clouds so that plant is not going to receive the sun that it needs because there are clouds in the way errors and flaws in aqida right they can either be poisonous or they could just be wrong and you're still a muslim but you have errors and they're actually causing a blockage so whenever we are sort of hitting a dead end, one of the things we should do is look at where we're making an error in Aqidah. Uh, and many people who are uh, spiritual, they say that they want to be spiritual or trying to be spiritual. They have this um, bizarre notion that spirituality sort of undoes the importance of Aqidah, right? Reason being is that, let's say, the anti-spiritualists in, the, in, in Islam and in Christianity focused a lot on theology like the protestants and the wahhabis right were anti-spiritualists they're very dead against this subject right and they're cheerleaders of aqidah so people would think that these two are therefore mutually exclusive in fact i always like to talk about the story of ibn arabi who is the chief of anyone who is trying to establish anything to sawuf right ibn arabi is one of the chiefs you can't deny this right so Ibn Arabi said that one time he was at a majlis of his sheikh. And one of one of his teachers, he had many sheikhs. Uh, there was a young man there, right? And his name was, uh, I can't remember, Muhammad Bashir or something. And uh, Ibn Arabi said, I saw him, but I sat on the other side of the room and I didn't want to talk to him because I had doubts as to the purity of his creed. Right? Right. Then he said, we all sat in silent meditation and then a voice came to me, a voice came to him, like a mukashifa, and said, he's someone who believes in Allah and his prophet, right? Now, most people who say, oh, he has a, I had a kashf that, look what Ibn Arabi does. He answered back to the kashf, whatever that was. He said, yeah, it's not that that I'm worried about. Kashf is like an unseen uh, thing that, like a miracle, type of miracle. Someone's speaking to him or so, he's seeing something that is not physically present. So this voice said to him, he's, he believes in Allah and his prophet. He answers back and he says, this is not the, the creed that I'm wor- worried about. There are other things obligatory to believe in too. Right? Mm. So Ibn Arabi, who most people tout to be, say, I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. Or I'm spiritual but, you know, beliefs all, all, all is good and all is love. He is the one who actually cares to a very detailed degree that our beliefs are correct, right? Right. Knowing that if there is an error in something that we believe, right, or we're not upholding something, it's as if there's a cloud coming between us and what we're all trying to receive, 
from Iman and spirituality and Nur and all these other things. Right. Yeah. And so from there, I want to take the discussion to really post the Khilafah, mm-hmm. right, to the time of the Mu'tazila mm-hmm. and to where creed really became formalized by, you know, the, 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 the Mutakallimun. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, cut to the chase for people and tell you that there are four fundamental doorways or four uh, avenues uh, or um, pillars, I would say, uh, of what de- defines and determines Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah after the passage of time, basically from the errors that people made. Theology, as uh, the Imams of Medina used to say, Medina is a abode of, 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 righteous, of righteousness and peace and Iman. Kufa is the abode of the dunya, right? So if you have dunya with questions, go to Kufa. They've so- they're solving them all because they have all the issues, right? So likewise, theology is just what's in the Quran and what's in the Hadith. Until someone misunderstands, then the theologian has to rectify it. So these four are number one, the debate on reason and revelation. Where does reason, where if any, does reason overtake and qualify revelation? And where does reason have to stop? So uh, Moin just said the word Mu'tazila, and ha- that has to do with a group of people who left Hassan al-Basri's circle, right? And established a school of thought in which reason had a greater latitude, right? Than, and, and interfered in re- revelation more than what the ulama deemed was correct. So this is the first thing, reason and revelation. And the second thing that demarcates Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah is the respect to the Sahaba and the recognition that Abu Bakr and Omar and Abu Huraira and Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha radiallahu anhum ajma'in uh, that they were and remain to be uh, 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 the symbols of the right path, symbols of the truth. They are on the truth, right? They represent the truth. And why do we say that these are the two biggest ones? Because these strike at the source of the religion, right? The aql, right. reason versus revelation, that's at the source of the religion. The Shi'i situation, that's at the source of the religion. One of the ulama calculated that uh, if you remove Abu Bak, uh, if you remove Omar, Aisha, anha, and Abu Huraira, these three Sahaba, you are removing 40% of the corpus of the Sunnah, of Hadith. Mm. 40% on three people, right? On three people. Okay, so this is this is why these three were the most from the most knowledgeable of the Sahaba. So you're representing forty percent of the corpus of the Sunnah. So it attacks the, the sources. The third, the fourth one, is within the accepted sources. So now we we agree on reason, revelation, and we agree on the Sahaba, right? The two biggest errors that Muslims have made in their history were number one, tajsim. Tajsim goes straight to the heart of the matter, which is how do we believe in Allah Azza wa Jal? And the word tajseem has to do with the word jism, right? And jism uh, or jasad is a body. And tajseem is the refusal, I'll put it this way, the refusal to negate that God has a body. The Quran mentions the jasad four times, right? And uh, let me give you an example. So basically what I'm saying is that the uh, issue of tajseem is that you must, you're obligated to negate the possibility, let alone the fact that Allah has a body. Does that come, is this a later 
But uh, this is not one of the early ones, right? So the Sahaba never had this problem. They never dealt with a mujassim. So now here, some of the... here uh, It says here, If you had said, we but read, read the hadith and remain silent, then no one condemns you, right? If you read anything that appears what we call mutashabih, or mutashabih means it looks like something that it shouldn't be. So there are many ayahs and hadiths that discuss... Uh, the divine as having a physical body, right? Like he comes down. He t- So how do we understand it? Because we have to believe what Allah says, but we know that he cannot have a body. And I'll give you the ev- two evidences that we have. he cannot have a body. So what is shameful is that you interpret them literally. All right. So if you want to say, yes, I believe in Allah, fine, believe. But believe in everything he says. Because Allah also says, وَاتَّخَذَ قَوْمُ مُوسَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ مِنْ حُلِيهِمْ عِجِلًا جَسَدًا لَهُ خوار. How did Allah condemn the golden calf? He said they took, they used the jewels, that they used their gold and jewelry to form a calf that has a body. Telling us basically, how could you worship a god with a body? Right? A god cannot have a body. He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this in another ayah, in Surah Taha, فَأَخْرَجَ لَهُمْ عِجَلًا جَسَدًا What is the first dis- critique of the God that the Jews made, that the Bani Israel made, when they were when Musa salam was at the mountain, the first critique of their God is that it's a body. How could a God have a body? Okay, let's take a look another look another ayah. All right, how does Allah prove that prophets are humans? Right, that we don't shouldn't worship Jesus and Mary and that all alayhi salam. And that the prophets are body uh, are, are are humans. He said, Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks that Jesus and Mary, he's a body. Right? So many times over, it's in the Quran, you're, we are obligated to negate that God has a body. You can do anything in terms of these mutashabih, you have three options. Right? In terms of these mutashabih verses, which is the hand of God, the eye of God, etc., etc., these types of the face of God, is you have three options. Number one, you don't need to look into the issue at all. This is called tough wheel. Let's say, I'm a regular Muslim man. Listen, don't give me a headache. I love that type of Muslim, by the way. Hmm. Listen, I'm a regular guy. I'm a small guy. I don't want to mess around. So we said to you, that's the right attitude, right? Well, you shouldn't be messing around and interpreting, right? If you don't have knowledge. The second one is that I'm going to confirm it but I'm going to make what's called tenzi. Tenzi means to to uh, affirm that God, God cannot have a body or be like a human, right? So I'm I'm con- I, I believe in it as Allah said, but I do tenzi. Thirdly is tawid, which means that you see that people are confusing the issue, so you use another meaning within the meanings, possible meaning. Arabic word can have possible meanings, right? Like the eye uh, can mean. Vision without a limb, right? So you interpret it, you use another meaning. The hand, power without a limb, etc. Now what is shameful is that people say, I take it as it came down. That sounds good. But what are they in fact doing? Right? They're taking the literal meaning. Right? They say, I'm taking it as Allah said. God said he has a hand. Therefore he has a hand. Right? We say, okay, you can say that if you want, but you have to make tenzi. But um, the, there are people out there, broadly speaking, I don't want to uh, attack any group because there's groups have different types within them, right? right. 
Right. There are different types within them. But some people out there are not refusing to make Tenzi of the jesed, say that he does not have a jesed, a body. And that's a big problem. That's a huge problem. And when we say this, right, like the... Mm-hmm. It might sound ridiculous to, you know, common people listening to this. Like, you know, it's obvious to people. Allah can't be like human beings, can't be like anything like us. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But when they hear this, you know, they might be thinking, you know, why is this even a problem? Right? What's Bec- a problem? But like, wh- why are we even discussing this? The, the, the unfortunate truth is there are large groups of people that say this. Right? The unfortunate thing is, more unfortunate is someone who takes aqidah in Islam lightly. Right. I mean, and I look uh, at the web, right? And you look at fitness websites and fitness magazines. I mean, how do you fill 70 pages of fitness a month in a magazine? Like, what is there to say? Right. Don't eat white sugar. Don't eat too much fatty foods. Do jumping jacks, run, jog. <laughs> I think you might just have oversimplified. Right? How many? <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. Listen, it, it was like this. Look, you need two books. That's it. One book. The whole fitness thing could be done in like two books. Yeah. But but no, they fill it with a hundred types of ab crunch. There's not just one ab crunch. There's a hundred types. Yeah. There's one you turn your body 10 degrees. There's another you turn your body 12 degrees, right? <laughs> Etc. Why? Because they love it. Look at the NBA, right? Have you seen the statistics in sports lately? <clears throat> a statistic no. used to be like one line, most three-pointers in a game, right? Most points in a game. One line, right? Statistics now are now four lines long. This is the most points a a player has scored when his team has been 0-10 and they've gone, uh, (laughs) lost the last... On a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. (laughs) It's like, what in the world? (laughs) So what people love a matter, what people love a matter, they focus on it and they get it right. Okay? Right. The first problem I have is when people write off the issue of Aqidah. I say, Aqidah, come on. This is not a big deal, Right? I'm like, subhanAllah, this is the biggest deal, right? This is your God here. If you don't want to discuss this issue, right, then you're going to have consequences because this is your God. Then you're not going to receive properly from your Lord, right, that you're supposed to believe in properly, right? So this is the first issue. And uh, Elias can carry and tell you that in, in European history, the main re- one of the biggest reasons that the philosophers, the Enlightenment thinkers, then later the philosophers and people after that, rejected the whole enterprise of religion is that the belief that there's a man in the sky this tajseem it's tajseem they 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 combined everything they had hulul right (laughs) i mean christian theology has hulul hulul means god comes into a person they have hulul they have god having a son right they have god being in a son god having a mom and then god being a man in the sky they made every single mistake in the book right (laughs) And Omar uh, al-Khattab says that, or one of the Sahaba was criticizing the Jews and the Christians. And another wise Sahabi said, hold on, Allah only talks about them so that we could learn a lesson. Right? right. And you know, Sheikh, this is something that they inherited from the Jews. Because there's anthropomorphism oh, in the Old Testament. Oh, it's completely anthropomorphic. Right. right. So much so that Maimonides, who on top of being a good doctor, right, in Andalusia, and a doctor to the Sultan. The Rambam. Rabbi Moses Ben Maimonides. Yeah, he was always he was also a, a rabbi. He was a rabbi. One of the one of their top uh, ulama or whatever they call him, right? Mm-hmm. He went so far as to say we have to start denying, mm-hmm. and this is this is the argument of the other side. We have to start denying that God shares any attribute with humans. If humans can be merciful, then the mercy of God has to be figurative. Subhanallah. Because 
he saw that this was like rampant, rampant anthropomorphism, and he took the wrong route. He went into denying uh, God's attributes. Yeah, denying. Actually, it's funny that you bring up Maimonides because he was educated in Andalusia. Yeah. And I was once, when I was teaching uh, university one time, there were two Jewish students sitting uh, ahead of class. So I started chatting with them and talking with them. And somehow we got up that there's Maimonides Hospital, right? And somehow that came in the conversation. I said, okay, listen, you guys are religious you know, Jews. And they said, yeah. I said, you guys study Maimonides, right? And they said, no, Maimonides is a heretic. I was like, why? I thought he was like a big deal, right? Yeah, they got the hospital named after him. <laughs> so uh, obviously that was some Jewish person that, you know, didn't care about the theology. They just because he was a doctor. He was actually the doctor of Salah Hadin mm-hmm. eventually. But um, the reason they said is that they go, he borrowed from the theology of the Muslims. He was mm-hmm. influenced by the Muslim theologians, right? On two things. He said the first thing is he obligated belief in heaven and hell. Whereas in their holy books, right, which is muharraf, muharraf means it's been altered, right? There's no mention of heaven or hell. There's right. no obligation of heaven. I was like, there's no, what is the point of this all, right? So then the second thing is that uh, he changed the nature of God, right? Which is what Alex just said, that basically. He went, he took from the, I, I probably took from that, the, all the Muslims who say, God cannot be like uh, a, a human, right? Andalusia was a Maliki Ash'ari. A totally Maliki, and the hardest Ash'aris were the Malikis, right? And Ash'aris is a school of collected a group, a set of, of, of judgments on d- debated matters. And right? can, we, can, we, can we talk about the other schools? So there's multiple schools from what I understand? Yeah, so there are, your schools of Aqidah will be three. Hanbali, Ash'ari, and Maturidi. And the differences between them are minute. And the main thing they all have is they all make tanzi. The Prophet wasallam, the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that there are verses that are clear, and that's the foundation of the book, and others are mutashabihat, what we just said, mutashabihat. Mutashabih means it looks like something, but it, should, it cannot be that thing. Right, it looks like something, but it can't be that thing. So what do we do with it? And Allah says, many people don't know them. Some know them. Some know how to understand them. All right. And how do we understand this? As we just said, these three options that we have: ithbat, or tafweed, or uh, tawil. And you could rewind uh, to just rewind so that we can or look it up. We we just said what they are. But the point is that we were saying that there are four things. There are four right. things, right? Uh, that define the Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah. Number one is the reason revelation issue. Second is the Sahaba, because that's the source of the religion, where, where we get our hadith, let alone respecting and insulting the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, which uh, the groups that, in, uh, which the Shia do when they insult the Sahaba and the wives of the Prophet. So you're insulting the Prophet, peace be upon him, basically. Right. And number three, the Mujassima, right, which we just talked about. Anthropomorphism within now within the sources, and number four, something that came late later on in Islam is what our Sheikh calls Al Gufiya. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the Gufiya is basically the Sufis who have what they have, what they do is uh, during spiritual attainment, if they may attain anything spiritually, which Allah gives people based on their efforts, right? So they have spirituality. And this spirituality is a test. Allah tells us in Surah Al-Jinn, you try, you put in work, 
I will reward you. But that reward is another test. Allah says in Surah Al-Jinn, look it up. All right. What they do now is they start to undermine the scholars. They start to undermine fiqh and they start to undermine aqidah. And this is what Barsisa, the monk, fell into. Where he was such a good worshiper and having so much spirituality that he started saying, look at all these people talking the details of the law and doctrine. Right? I'm getting receiving light directly from God and these people are, are, are with their ink and their papers right, uh, talking about the law. So the Gufiya, unfortunately, uh, spread wi- like wildfire all through the Islamic world. Do you have very, not only Gufi, heretical Sufi groups in the past especially? I mean, now people are barely, barely <laughs> holding on. But this is, this is what caused the Wahhabis to come out. Sheikh, right. and if we could just, this is another thing that we, lear- we could have learned from the nations that came before us because mm-hmm. one of the things that differentiates the Christian theology from the Jewish theology is that they just abandoned the law, basically. They yeah. just went with, it's all spiritual and mm-hmm. it's all about how So we went down that route too. Some high. of us went down that route yeah. as well. I, w- I was once, uh, some brother told me that he was uh, in Cairo and he asked for a dhikr session. So they told him there's a maulid happening in that such and such a mosque. So he goes into the masjid. He goes in there and he sees there, sitting there in the middle, is a man in a suit and a golden ring, right? And no beard. And they say, oh, that's the sheikh of the tariqa. Okay, fine. He inherited the tariqa. That's basically what it is. Tariqa ends up being an institution which he inherits from his dad and from his grandfather. So is, that's the sheikh, fine. And then... Uh, the Maulid's going on normal, normal Qasida, Burda, right? Then all of a sudden he hears <laughs> a violin comes out, right? <laughs> then, sometime after, he starts hearing like um, metal clanking. Then what happens? A woman belly dancing. <laughs> She was closed. She was wearing clothes. Yeah. She comes in belly dancing in the middle of the circle. Yeah. Okay? So in the middle of the cool, circle. Man. Right? And then you wonder why when the kids who attended that thing decided to actually study their dean, what they went to is the opposite end. Right? right? You, you know, that, his, that kid is doing what we would all have done. Right. right. Right? Anything associated with those people. Because that, you know, that sheikh will tell you, you know, we are Madikis. Right, so that guy's gonna say anything Maliki. I'm staying away from it. Little no, does he know yeah. he's actually he's actually you know putting aside the most important thing, right? Or the most guided people, right? Where he says we are the. Uh, <laughs> I love how you slipped that in there. <laughs> in general, he could say Hanafi, Shafi, like whatever. Thick, right? Like little does he know, right? <laughs> then he comes upon some sheikh who's saying, you know, this is the hadith says this, and everything is bid'ah, and he accepts it, right? Because. That's why I told you the Gufiya are that fourth major pitfall that we at Asuna have learned is a huge pitfall and a big problem. And that's why the Christians have that too. You know, Sheikh, right. another, another thing that I observed, at least here in America, is that the, the greatest trum- triumph of the people that are always running around yelling kufr, shirk, and bidah is not that you have people that get on your manhaj, right? Where you can verify that they have all the points of mm-hmm. uh, manhajness. <laughs> but rather, it's that the average, everyday Muslim, you know, Ahmed auto worker Muslim, mm-hmm. is walking around saying, "Oh, I need to stay away from that because mm-hmm. it might be haram, or it might be bid'ah, it might be some type of shirk, mm-hmm. right?" It's this this attitude that because there's the gufia, like you mm-hmm. say, or you know, m- people that are misguided, 
that automatically I'm just going to stay away from everything and I'm just going to go with this like very vanilla, no mm-hmm. spiritual practices. Exactly. And I'm going to just hide away from anything that has spirituality. Exactly. And this is the biggest, this is the biggest uh, problem that I see with... And I don't mm-hmm. blame certain people, right? Like it's, you see it with people where right after, like you're saying, the pitfall of the gufia, right? Mm-hmm. We have the extreme opposite, right? Now, now look what happened. Now, because of the reaction to the Gufia, you have the completely a spiritual religion, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what what happens? You actually go back to the beginning, where people are actually throwing the whole thing off, right? They're saying, well, if they're not getting any nourishment, spiritual nourishment from this, they say, well, the heck with all this, right? Yeah. And then what they do is that's re- reform, right? So you get reform Islam movements, quote yeah. unquote, in yeah. academia, in universities, etc., and uh, if you think about what that is, it's reason over revelation. Yeah. Because yeah. all their yeah. arguments, right, it goes back down to one thing, reason over revelation. And that's the first thing that the Ummah went through, reason versus revelation. So it goes actually back to the start, reason and revelation. And, and so I, I wish to say that the, Maltez, the Maltezilla were noble people, moral people, upright people. They defended the deen from many other pe- other problems, right? They were uh, their initial repu- reputation of the Mu'tazilites were defenders of the deen, right? Until they went overboard on reason versus revelation, and they were informed. They were scholars. They were noble people, right? The contemporary reformers, I can't say that it's an intellectual battle. They are not even informed, right? <laughs> right. It's yeah. intellectual insofar as yeah. it's about its words and ideas. Yeah. But it's not intellectual. They're not even, for me to say that it's a good argument, they're not even informed, right? Yeah. When I read the arguments of reason versus revelation, right? Or these reformists. Right. Okay. And so I want to get to modern day reformists in a bit, but yeah. continuing along the timeline, right? Like I'd like to bring about some issues that, right, the after the Gufia, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the other extreme, right? Call it. You could call them whatever you want to call them, right? You don't even have to give them a name. You're talking about but Salafis. they have a name. You, Salafis, you're Salafis, Salafis, Salafis yeah. you could call them. <laughs> you're talking about Salafis. Yeah. I mean, we're saying right. every other name here. Exactly. Yeah, so about Salafis, Salafis, right? Yeah. So, uh, so why so do they Salafis use the names? As we talk generally about Salafis, not yeah. So not specific. not using, right? This being a Salafi technically by. Uh, legal def- by the definition of the word is a good thing yeah. right you follow yeah. the salaf yeah. right but the modern version of what that means mm-hmm. is different and I would argue that it's different in Saudi Arabia and it's also different in America yeah. right um, and since we're in New Jersey like just talking about the context of where we're in right the way we understand it here is also different I have a couple the only time reason I have some reservations on uh, put it, saying salafis is that uh, number one, your average run-of-the-mill Salafi, who just says I'm Salafi, right, and I follow these sheikhs, there's no, he's just there's nothing he's not he hasn't codified his own system of beliefs to the point that you would say that this is he has errors, right? Like he's just a regular Muslim. Yeah. It's a default setting. <clears throat> so that's the first reason is Salafi has become the default setting because of. How far it's wide and spread in the world, and how how much fear has been spread in people that they're going to become yeah, mushriks overnight. exactly, and how much fear that they're going to become innovators and heretics, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if they wake up the wrong way, right? <laughs> now uh, the other thing is that the reformers and the aqlaniyah, 
right? The neo-Mu'tazilite reformers, fakers, whatever you call pre-Ridda, right? Pre-apostasy phase uh, personalities. The Salafis are the some of the strongest people against them, right? And whenever I've gone after these folks, the first people to support me against them have been Salafi people, right? Right. Salafi brothers. The third reason I want to, I always are um, hesitant about uh, uh, about the Salafis is, uh, what, was, what was I saying here? Oh, the th- what was I saying? The third reason, I lost my train of thought. For Reasons why you don't want to. Uh, so I was saying that, generally. I was saying that you're, they're, they're, oh, the third reason is that some of them, if they're knowledgeable, if they're very knowledgeable, they actually avoid the pitfalls we're talking about. Right. But they might have some differences with us that are secondary and tertiary, and they might not join our, uh, like the general culture of the people of the Madhahib, Malikis, Hanafis, and Shafis, and, right? So they're actually Hanbali, right? And I can't, if you sit down and you discuss with them, they will avoid, their, they, they do Tenzi, right? They do Tenzi. But they don't uh, take part in the broader culture of these three methods, right? So, for example, the appreciation of the Buddha, the establishment of the Mawlid, right? The establishment of the love of the Prophet as a huge major theme, right? Uh, certain secondary, I would say, secondary and tertiary issues, right? We would differ with them on, right? But but I cannot say that they're Mujassima. There's 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 Malikis, um, Ashari Malikis yeah. that are also that way when it comes to like Samat. Yeah. When it comes to group dhikr. When it comes to group dhikr. I mean, even our Sheikh, uh, who Sheikh Sadiq and his teacher Murabat al Hajj, the only difference is he's not going to, he'll tell you. And Sheikh Sadiq has said many times, look, why don't you just gather for knowledge? Leave off group dhikr and these songs, right? Do that on your own time, right? But he understands that it's like a minor thing. Mm-hmm. This is not a humongous thing that he will consider you, you're on the way to hell. Because every innovation is misguidance and every misguidance is in hell, which is a word of the Prophet, peace be upon him, that's misunderstood, right, uh, by many. All right, because the word every, kullu, always has exceptions, right? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, means every mis- every innovation, something that is not from the deen, right? That in general, it's not from the deen. That's the definition of Imam Shafi. Yeah, Imam Shafi, right? That from the deen, meaning not the specifics, but the generals, right? So uh, this is where these are some differences, but that's why these are the three reasons that I uh, am more sensitive with the Salafi people in their groups, especially in America. These guys are fighting a good fight, right? But we we have some difference with them, and that's right? why, like, I mean, I I, I don't want it to come out that. You know, they're like a monolith, like every single person and every single group in the same way. Like there is no monolith of like, yeah. like of Hanafis, right? Like the, yeah. even in India, you'll get like the goofy Hanafi as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like they're not like one monolithic group. Like, so, oh, this is all of them. So let's yeah. define what we're talking about. Not not who we're talking about, but the ideology or the associated beliefs mm-hmm. of what we're talking about to make it clear. Yeah. So like, I mean, if we can go through some of the ideological differences mm-hmm. that exist, right? I think that might clear it out for a lot of people that we're not just talking about like naming like this group, like, oh, this group is bad, right? Because then people just go out and point fingers and say, oh, this is yeah, I this, mean, this whole blanket group, all of them associated are, are evil. What I, what I like to do is look at the idea, and yeah. I don't even know who's out there. Believe it or not, I'm so focused on our work that I don't even know like uh, what groups are out there anymore. I don't even know who's the imam in the masjid nine, 10 miles ahead in Edison. I don't know who's the imam there anymore. 
right? Uh, last time I said so-and-so is the sheikh there, they're like, oh, no, no, dude, you're outdated. It's eight months he's been gone, right? Yeah. So I don't even know. So, uh, but what I would want to, 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 a message for all the, uh, for, 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 you know, your common everyday Muslim is to look for these, if you avoid these four things, like what is purity? If you have a white sheet, is don't make it dirty. It's pure as it is, right? If you're an everyday Muslim, stay an everyday Muslim, but avoid four of these pitfalls. The first one being the issue of reason over revelation. We believe in reason. Reason has a huge part in our religion, right? I mean, all of the science of hadith is based on reason, right? How do we know what hadith is sound versus false, right? Versus weak. It's all reason. It's all using your brain. So we do have reason. Reason, revelation. Number two, the sources in the Shia and the Sahaba. Number three, the anthropomorphism. And number four, the gufiyah, where spirituality oppresses knowledge and spirituality oppresses doctrine. If a person avoids all these major pitfalls, you pretty much have avoided 90%, I would say. right? Of the classical ones. Of the classical stuff. And, and the modern stuff will fit underneath it. Right. right. The modern stuff will all fit under these one of these categories. What about, though, the proliferation of, right, incorrect knowledge in the name of some of these groups, right? Like the Salafis, for example. Right. There has been proliferation of certain knowledge, yeah. right, which is not in... And this is my question because I'm not sure. Is, is the Hanbali tradition that's followed today the same as it was, as it was before? Uh, I've heard that the only remaining Hanbali, Hanbali, Hanbali are like a couple families, I don't know, Uts family in Syria. That's one thing I've heard. Otherwise, I haven't seen um, Hanbalis, pretty much. I mean, I've seen people say they're Hanbali, right? And But I haven't really sat down with them much, but I've seen them say they're Hanbali, so I can't really say. I don't have knowledge on, on where is the Hanbali method right now. I don't have knowledge on that, to be honest with you. It's sad that if, uh, it's it's like that, but that's actually how it is, right? And so, like, I mean, this is, so some things that bother me that, you know, um, and, you know, Alex and I have been talking about this, too, is the proliferation of certain knowledge. So, so for example, um, people by default have, even though the Salafis don't say this in the way they portray it, and some groups, I'm not saying all of them, have sort of lowered the status of the Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam in many 100%, respects. No doubt about that. Right, and no so like, so like, I can even give an example. Um, you know, from, you know, some of the websites that I found. So I don't want to name those websites, but they're very popular websites, right? Mainstream almost. Right? Main almost very mainstream blogs and mainstream institutes. I'm going to read this directly from one of the textbooks of the institute that. Imam Bukhari narrates from Abu Ali Aliya that salah upon the Prophet وسلم, means to ask Allah to praise the Prophet in the presence of the angels, the higher-ranked ones in particular. This was the opinion of Ibn al-Qayyim and Shaykh Ibn al-Uthaymin. There was another group of scholars who said it means to send mercy and blessings upon him. However, linguistic and textual evidences seem to strengthen the first opinion. Hmm. As for salam upon the Prophet وسلم, the meaning is the meaning is its apparent meaning, that is, to keep the Prophet وسلم, safe and protected. Hmm. This was the view of Shaykh Ibn al-Uthaymin, and there seems to be very little difference of opinion. No, let me tell you something right now. Uh, for someone to say that my salah and salam on the Prophet is a dua for Allah to keep him safe and sound, the Prophet is not needing our dua. Okay. So wait, without you, who don't even have wudu right now, okay, and you barely know the fara'id of wudu, you're the one keeping the Prophet safe and sound, right? So... <laughs> 
There was another book I read. Muhammad is nothing but a man. No. Subhanallah. Yeah. No. Who's no? No one said he's a god, right? But he's not like any other man, right? Subhanallah. These people with their disrespect to the Prophet. And I'm telling you, when you find someone go down this route of this type of religion. And they find all of a sudden their personality starts getting mean and nasty. Yeah. It's because they're not getting spiritual nourishment. They're stopping their ego, their nafs, from doing a whole bunch of wrong things. Right? Which is good. But you need spiritual nourishment. And this is why you're going to become a nasty and mean person. Right? Because you have blockage. Because of your wrong beliefs about the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, or the Prophet is just a Rasul in the respect like a postman. Gave you the package and he's gone. Khalas. You respect the postman, and that's the end of the story. When we know for sure, right, from sound hadith, the Prophet is alive in his grave, receiving our salam and salat and salam directly, and receiving also news of our deeds, and then seeking forgiveness if we do wrong deeds for us, right, and thanking Allah if we do good. So we know the Prophet knows us, who we are by name, right, receiving our news by name. The Prophet is... Uh, uh, not as they say, just gave the message and left. Right, and 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 another. So, right. Hold on. So so we know that, right? But there are a lot of people who might not know that. Mm-hmm. So do we have to to rebut what you just read out, Moin? Do we have like specific things that we can point out that can that can counter some of this some of this stuff? The specific we have hadith. Yeah. We have to go back to hadith, and I'm telling you why that uh, where we lost out. Is through the gufiya, right? Well, that we're just having celebrations all the time and not studying anymore, right? I mean, you have celebrations once in a while, have gatherings for celebrating and and singing once in a while, right? But the bulk of our ethic should be study because studying is what helps us. Uh, this is why our policy with Safina Society and my policy, the way we operate, is that Safina Society is for knowledge, right? Your own spiritual path. That's something that you would pursue privately, right? So that the bulk of our work has to do with ilm, right? And ilm is what keeps us on the right path. And ilm is what keeps our the, the sun shining in and pushing away these clouds I of mean, errors and wrong beliefs. Exactly. And it and it's uh, I want to get to tampering of texts in, in a moment. But even like things like this where uh, on a very very popular muslim website muslim blog site right and almost i would i would venture to say any normal practicing muslim has gone on this website and 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 reads through it most of the time it's a very famous article on the website yeah so can we send salawat for the prophet with those traveling to medina this is a section from um from it uh, a modern practice we now nowadays see is asking those who are going to visit going to Hajj and Umrah and will be visiting the Prophet's Masjid to say send my salams to the Prophet however this is not from the Sunnah nor has it been recorded that any of the righteous predecessors did That's this just ignorance right there we say if you and Sheikh Ibn al-Uthaymin rahimahullah beautifully states we say if you send salam upon him from the farthest ends of your salam will reach him because Allah has appointed angels who travel about the earth and if anyone sends salam upon the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam they convey that salam to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam so if we now say Allah sends blessings and peace and so I'll go a little bit further down so I have heard some people saying in Medina my father asked me to give his salam to the messenger but this is wrong the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not alive so that the salams of a living person may be passed on to him. All right this belongs on Salafi Talk Radio Sheikh Bazmul 
<laughs> that's what it is. Google Selfie Talk Radio. That's where that kind of content belongs. And mind you, why Let's, is this on a very popular website that everybody reads yeah, and normal normal people are going to think that this is now incorrect? Because right. look, how is it that the Quran tells us about the martyrs? La taqulu amwat. Do not say martyrs are dead. What's greater, a prophet or a martyr? And wasn't the Prophet counts as a martyr as well? Because we know from Sahih Hadith that he also died from the poison of that woman, right? Who poisoned him. And that counts as being a martyr, right? right. Being to be poisoned. So say to Konain sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say for this article to say it's dead, you should email them. You're obligated to email them. Bring them the hadith and tell them, cut out that part of the article or tear down the whole article. Yeah. Right? So then, or, or then we should have hackers, honestly. <laughs> we should have a team of hackers, right? I'm telling you, if I had money right now, if I had some extra money right now, I would hire a team of hackers, right? Go down and take down these 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 articles. Just take down that one article. Don't ruin their whole page. Just that one article. This is just one I found. There's yeah. there's uh, yeah, it cha- changing with your hand, right? So <laughs> so on on top of this, right? There's actually tampering of texts classical texts that have been done i witnessed this myself when my wife was doing her phd thesis and she got a book she got the book in south uh, uh, uh someone was in saudi and got her the book then we were in egypt and got the book ourselves now she's going through one of the books and then she goes um she 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 gets going through one of the books and she noticed an entire chapter's gone chapter of Tasawwuf is gone Allah. the whole chapter is gone can we name like what book was it what well, uh the book was Risalat At-Ta'lim I believe by uh, a sheikh named As- Ibn Sa'ati I think I um, I would have to ask her but I remember seeing the book it's called Risalat At-Ta'lim I believe All right and it was in it was a, it's a contemporary book by right. it was in in Saudi and in Egypt being sold by two different publishers the whole chapter of the Sawuf was gone, right? Gone. The whole chapter. So, I mean, you're talking about chapter books. You want me to read this? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, by the way, whenever you see Nabi said, you know that's a Daisy website. Mufti Ibrahim. Mufti Ibrahim Daisy. Okay. Is that what it is? Mufti Ibrahim Daisy. Desai. Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa said Whoever recites salawat upon me in my presence I hear it And whoever sends salawat upon me And he is not by me His salawat is brought to me And to say Yani subhanallah Alright Ibn Masud Verily Allah has angels traveling through the earth They bring me the salams of my ummah Alright The lives of the Anbiya are also proven Through the hadith of Mi'raj Narrated by Bukhari and Muslim Okay Prophet sallallahu is dead then how is Musa alayhi salam? When the Prophet in the Isra, he goes at the grave of Musa and he sees Musa reciting Quran inside his grave. Quran, right? Not Torah. Then he goes to the Masjid Al-Aqsa and prays Imam. And Musa's there, right? With the Prophets. And then he goes to the seventh heaven, the sixth heaven, and Musa's there, right? There's three Musas. Not only he's dead, they multiply. Subhanallah. In a way that treats their, that is benef- uh, uh, suitable to their majesty. These prophets are in multiple locations at once. They're living in existence we cannot imagine. Yeah, Jahla, you are ignorant, okay? <laughs> Telling us the MBA are dead, right? Subhanallah. The prophets, you don't know the power that they have. 
Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu go in Sahih Muslim, right? In the chapter of Iman. In other words, things to believe in. Imam Muslim is telling us, you should believe in these things. The Prophet, peace be upon him, says, we are walking to Hajj and I see Musa making Hajj with us right now. So not only, our doctrine is not only this Prophet is, yes, dead in the common sense of the word, his body is not with us anymore. But these Prophets are now living a life beyond you can what you can imagine. In existence in multiple places at once beyond you can what you can imagine. And we have here Prophet Musa alayhi salam in three locations at once and then making hajj with us. Ya yani, subhanallah. This is all sahih material. That's why I'm telling you the fault of all this because this stuff is easily eradicated. Like these types of false doctrines are easily eradicated like the eradication of roaches. Right? Yeah, Easy. But- with hadith, yeah. simple hadith, but because we have gufiya and we do have modern gufiya yeah. who everything is love, 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 love. Everything right. is love. It's oppression by love. You don't study anymore. Right. So you guys are leaving anyone who wants to study, right, is now going to get eaten by these wrong beliefs. And on top of that, right, yeah. even within everyday households, every, the, 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 almost every masjid, right, sit texts, you know, of classical texts that are translated incorrectly. Right at times, right, or the commentary is off, right. So, what does the everyday person know, do? So, like, so you wanted to make a point about alteration of text. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I'm referring to you know I'm sitting here and can I can I name the the publisher? Yeah, yeah, why not? So so Darus Salam Publications, yeah. right? The 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 publication sits in almost. You know, every Daisy household, I can tell you that, right? They have a, a translation of Dar Salam Riyadh Salihin or Sahih Muslim or some version, right? And so, some some Hadith book, and there are tamperings within the text from the Arabic to the English. Is this not true? I found some uh, when I was going through Riyadh Salihin because, unfortunately, that uh, there's no competition with Dar Salam, by the way. Like, nobody has done what they've done right. in terms of translations. Right, you have no choice but to utilize their work at some points, but uh, I remember going through Riyadh Salihin and finding a number of things that were in the footnotes, the commentary, okay, that were not correct. But I just can't remember where they are and where they were. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, uh, on top of that, right, we have a lot of institutes now, like even just little basic stuff. I'm not even talking about like really like. Sufi stuff. I'm talking about basic stuff that people will be afraid of. Like, for example, someone when we held the qatam of the Quran, right at one of our at, at my masjid in South Jersey, someone opposed to this. Oh, you're that, talking that about Isal al Thawab. That sending your deeds upon the dead is impermissible. That's actually totally wrong because Isal al Thawab in all the madhabs, all four schools, is yeah. valid. And there is a brother who many people would say in our local masjid, would say he's a Salafi, right? But that's why I said I make exceptions because some people, when you sit down, he looks completely Salafi, right? He quotes the same Salafi scholars. He's actually probably Hanbali, like on, on, on everything. Right. Proper Hanbali method. Tenzi, he makes Tenzi, right? Isal al-Thawab, he recognizes. Is Imam Ahmad himself recognizes permissive. The Isal al-Thawab means the deliverance of the reward, which means that if you do an act, you own the reward of that act. And you have the right to donate it to whomever you wish of the deceased Muslims. Right? He must be deceased. Right. Because he must die as a Muslim. Someone alive today, you don't know if he's going to die as a Muslim. 
right? Isal al So uh, a reason being is that you can do this simply by doing any act of worship, like Quran, Sadaqah, charity. There was a man who used, to, uh, in Medina, he used to, uh, uh, his mother used to give Sadaqah. And he said, O Messenger of Allah, every day uh, my mother used to give some Sadaqah, or, or my mother used to regularly give Sadaqah, and now she's passed away. The Prophet wasallam said, give it to her on her behalf, right? Give it on her behalf. So he had his own sadaqah, and he said, this is sadaqah, my sadaqah for the poor, and this is for Um Sa'd, right? This is in Sahih Bukhari. So the way in which you do Isal al-Thawab is that you do any type of dhikr or dua or sadaqah, uh, but not salah and som. Right. And then you say, and then you say, oh Allah, I donate or... Uh, you know, I uhdi, which is give as a gift. Uhdi thawab al amal li fulan. I give as a gift, and it doesn't matter what language you say. Uh, I give as a gift. I gift the reward of this action to so and so. By simply having that intention, it's shifted and transferred immediately, right? And they will come on yom qiyamah and find it uh, that they had that reward. So we know that mm. our actions are cut off except for three, right? Famous hadith says, uh, your actions are cut off except for three, which is the, your children's dua for you, charity, money that is still producing some benefit, and knowledge that's still benefiting people. That's your actions. But doesn't mean you cannot benefit, right? right. You can still benefit. So. so, I mean, it's not only is this widespread within every household, and that's why like, I, I really appreciate the point you made about they're not a monolith, right? Yeah. Not every Salafi is like, oh, you know, they believe in 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 some, you know, strange thing that that, that the other three madhahib have a problem with, yeah. right? And it's not every Hanbali. Like, if authentic Hanbali, the authentic Hanbali madhab, along with its this creed, is, gold. is accepted. Not accepted. It's gold. Exactly. Imam Ahmed is the imam of all on our heads. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And that's where, like, I feel like, but we need to differentiate. For the mm-hmm. common layperson that, and because I've seen this, right? And mm-hmm. I think we've all seen this, mm-hmm. that it's not just uh, the fiqh stuff, but even like like little things like Isal al-Thawab, right? Mm-hmm. That do the Hanbalis say this and what do regular people say about Correct, this now? Yeah. People will say that, oh, I'm a Hanbali, but really they're not. Yeah, you know what? I would go to the books of Ibn Qudama. Ibn Qudama was one of the most righteous of the imams you're going to find in the Ummah. And he was the greatest faqih of his time and so much so that his book the Mughni the Mughni takes all four madhabs and gives gives the ruling on all four madhabs of every issue they say it covers over one million issues a million they say Man laysa mughni, laysa mufti. if you don't own the Mughni in your house you're not a Mufti right every Mufti has to know about Ibn Qudama Ibn Qudama was the chief sheikh of uh, in the army of Salahuddin al-Ayubi Right, he was the chief sheikh of Salah al-Din, and he was the student of whom? Abdul Qadir al-Jailani. Mm. He learned his fiqh from Abdul Qadir al-Jailani, who was a Hanafi, right? I mean, Hanbali. I think he was a Hanbali. Yeah. He was a Hanbali, right? Abdul Qadir al-Jailani was a Hanbali. Even though, if you go to Pakistan, you would think he was a Hanafi, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, Abdul, so the uh, the sound Hanbali madhab is going to be found in the works of Ibn Qudama. And Ibn Qudama did. Uh, he was a man of ithbat. He made ithbat of the attribute of the mutashabih. So he said, you have to recognize these mutashabih and don't interpret them away. But he was a, a, a man of Tanzi as well. Right? Tanzi. Right. He denied anthropomorphism. 
right? Mm-hmm. So he was on the right, and he didn't like any bid'ah, and he didn't like a lot of the Sufi groups at his time, right? All this is valid Hanbali fiqh, and, and the, a lot of the Malikis are similar, right? Except that the Malikis are more uh, closer to Ash'ari. Uh, they're, uh, they're 100% Ash'ari in their Aqidah, yeah. right? But that's a valid and accepted difference of opinion. So if you want to be Hanbali, go to books of Qudama. So, I mean, what's happened, right, especially, and I could call out New Jersey, is I know, like, for example, you'll invite someone to our dhikr night, right? Yep. And I've had friends of mine come, and they'll sit on the outskirts mm-hmm. because they're afraid. And actually, I would venture shit. to say that this is actually iman, right? Yeah. To think like, oh, I don't want to do something that may be impermissible. So I have I, no problem with that. Right? I this love is, those This is people. sincerity, as I a love those fact. people. I don't care if you disagree with me, right? Like, if the person disagrees with me, right? If that's why he's disagreeing, fine, go. That's a great ethic to have in a great way. You're actually... You, this is a different upon matter. I, I I recognize group thicker is a different upon matter, right? Of course, this opinion is the the stronger one in my view, right? right. But uh, I don't. This is not a big issue. But Sheikh, there's a difference, no, between a person who knows the difference of opinion and takes a position based mm-hmm. on following his scholars or following what he's learned, as opposed yeah. to someone who just it's just a taboo to them. There's like mm-hmm. a a red light that comes on whenever anything yeah. sort of. To self oriented comes up, yeah. and that person is just doing it out of an unwarranted fear. Yeah. So that's or a maybe an unwarranted or an ignorance of, of yeah. what the yeah. So a lot about. of people don't know, right? <laughs> like a lot of people, like I know people. You know, you invite, they sit, and they'll sit on the side. They don't know any difference of opinion, nor yeah. do they follow the Hanbali madhab or stick to a more conservative option. They just literally think it's a shirk or a bid'ah yeah. or something. Well, I mean, there are some people as well that have in, inherited from others. An allergy and a syndrome, like their mental faculty. That could be the smartest guy in the world. It's emotional at this point. Maybe because his first teacher in Islam made such a big hoopla about it that actually their mental faculty stops. They won't even consider what you're saying, yeah. right? It's emotional at that point, yeah. right? So you can't even get them to realize that the, the matter has evidence on both sides, right? Yeah. You can't even get that, yeah. right? And of course, the dominant, predominant evidence. Is that the clearly the Sahaba did do dhikr together, yeah. allowed? It's in Bukhari, right? That they did group, th- they did dhikr allowed. How they did it, we don't know, but there was clear that Ibn Abbas was hearing the dhikr. That's in the chapter of Adhan, book of dhikr after prayer in Sahih Bukhari, two hadiths in a row. They made me memorize the evidences, right? Because I have to quote them so much, right? So, <laughs> just for the sake of balance, um, there are people on the other side who. If you tell them you're not going to a maulid or you tell them you don't do group dhikr, yeah. they automatically lash out as if there is no other position on the other oh, side yeah. and it's not legitimate. Yeah. They themselves, these proofs that you just named, they have no idea. No, of yeah. These yeah. Is the, They're just following. It's it's almost like a cultural folk yeah. way of following it. So, this so the, the issue is sides. there's a lack of knowledge yeah. on both yeah. sides. And so that's is. why like I think... but That's I, the answer to your question, Moeen. How, how does a lay... How does the average... Muslim, the lay person, navigate this stuff. Learn. 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 You have to learn. learn. And, and I think we talked about this one time before. Don't be a lay person anymore. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> Become we, an educated person. I think we actually mentioned this one time before, is that you cannot no, lo- no longer be a common practice, common Muslim if you want to practice your deen anymore. Yeah. It's too complicated. You need to learn. And by default, to fight the normal things that you know are sins... You're actually going to have to put in a lot more effort. Like in the past, if you grew up in Karachi or uh, 
Cairo or Indonesia, Morocco, 100 years ago, 300 years ago, you didn't have to worry about anything, right? The predominance was the Sunnah, right? Innovators and heretical groups were very minor. Reason being, the only way to, to get your message out was in the masjid, right? So it was easy, easy to weed out those uh, odd groups, right? There weren't many tapes. There weren't many printing presses, right? And so uh, there was no TV. There was no internet. Right. So the ways, the avenues to get knowledge out was pretty much controlled, right? And it was luckily controlled or fortunately was controlled by people of Sunnah. Providentially. Right? Providentially, right. from Allah. That yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Providentially was controlled by people of Sunnah. So you could go your whole life just yeah. hunky-dory. Right. Uh, the community will stop you. At, you knew the wrong. Today, it's not the same way. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's a struggle. My, my whole thing is before we move on to the next group, there's a, ne- there's a next group after okay, this. Okay, who are these? Right, so before I go on there, so, mm-hmm. I, so I want to seal the deal on this one. Okay. Um, because my issue isn't that there are authentic uh, Hanbalis, right? Or authentic Atharis. My issue is with people touting authentic Hanbali and Athari Aqeedah, but actually they do Mujassima. They do anthropomorphism. They do call everything a shirk and a bidah. They do. And so this, is a, this has proliferated, you know, you know all I, throughout, I, where I they've say, actually taken the authority from scholars such as Sheikh Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah, right, and and now who who himself was a very spiritual, pious person. Uh-huh. He was right? a Qadri Sufi. Yeah, he was a Qadri Sufi, and they've now said this the soul of stuff is a bidah. When yeah. really, you know, they've taken over the Hanbali madhab today. And so, like, I think it's important for the layperson to know what is authentic and what is inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what I was, uh, I'm sorry that I almost cut you off. What I was going to interject is that these things, although they're interrelated and they're of a certain mindset, that is related. Not every person has every one of those features, right? Right, of course. Wh- whatever you know, the group we're using it as a as a as a catch-all term like Salafi, right? But in reality, not every Salafi. Doctor <laughs> Shadi's like chomping down chips. I'm sorry. Look, there's this really good cheddar popcorn, so you're gonna have to repeat everything that you said because I wasn't paying attention. There was this really good cheddar cheese pile over here. Mashallah. got us, got us with the snacks. You know. So what? What I, what I was saying is, so we, we should just be clear that it's not every member of, the, and even if somebody says I'm a Salafi, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily um, having or propagating those. Absolutely. Every single error that we listed. Absolutely. Because, again, it's not monolithic. And by the way, it's one of the things. It's not an organized madhab. It's not an yeah. organized school, per se. There are, like, these really, like, hardcore, you know, they have a list of mm-hmm. you either are or you aren't. And that list keeps getting narrower and harder mm-hmm. and more difficult. Mm-hmm. But this is a, that's just a feature of, like, splinter groups. That's what yeah. they do. They splinter further. But that said, each one of those issues, like Dr. Shadi touched upon, is wrong in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, whether they whether you belong to a group or not, you could be somebody that grew up in a Hanafi household. You pray like a Hanafi. The mat, the aqidah that you learned in like Sunday school was maturidi aqidah, mm-hmm. right? Because you had it, you learned it from somebody from uh, Darul Ulum, mm-hmm. and yet you start hearing these things, and you, so you have this one feature. And in every yeah. other way, you're just a regular Hanafi, That's except true. that you're like sending, uh, s- saying Ya Rasulullah shirk, right? Yeah. Right, and so yeah. it's important that people learn correct. Right, some of the errors, and we're not saying everything is wrong. Right, there's yeah. a lot of good things as well, and I think right, a lot of this stuff that's happened is a response, like you said, to the goofy. Yeah, 
right? Goofy and I and I honestly sometimes when you when you sit with the goofy, I unfortunately I know too many of these people. Yeah. When you sit with them, I prefer the Salafis. Oh, 110%. <laughs> I sometimes prefer... the goofy, you don't even know the guy is Muslim, right? <laughs> and honestly, That's, sometimes you think he's yeah. gay. <laughs> I'm not even kidding with you, right? No, you're right. I'm not even kidding with you, right? <laughs> now, this is the this is now the next group. Well, wait, we've wait. now come to the next group. Before we get to them, um, I, I I think that this thing that you said that it's a response to the like, this is the way that the element has become complex, more complex mm-hmm. throughout history, right? Is that it's simple, and then yeah. uh, bidda comes in, right? Yes. And then somebody comes a in to correct point. it, yeah. correct, right? Exactly. And then another bidda comes swings, in, and then you have to correct states. it. So, like, there would be no mutakalimin if there weren't problems, right. problems in Aqidah, right? Yeah. The reaction to the Gufi Sufis, the Gufiya, mm-hmm. or the people that were tossing aside law for spirituality, mm-hmm. this reaction. Sw- it went too far, yeah. and it yes. swept up the entire ummah, but for a small group yeah. out in the desert in mm-hmm. a small corner of the Muslim world, yeah. and said everybody else is a mushrik, yeah. and we're going to block them from making hajj, and we're going to fight them, and we're going to take their property is halal for us, their blood is halal, this is all their women are our slaves. Like, this is not, This is what it went way too far. Mm-hmm. It was an, a, a broad overreaction, and... It's not of the same. It's not. A, it's not of the same type mm-hmm. as the other reactions. Like you set up a madhab to, uh, of uh, intellectual reaction. Yeah, yeah you yeah. set up a madhab of aqidah to fight against these. Uh, you know, yes, rationalists. The, the Saudi state, the Wahhabi state, was established, and this is documented. They yeah. they can't even they they didn't even know the documentation. Mm-hmm. It's well known that the uh, their group, in order to justify removing the Ottomans, who were Muslims. And not being considered rebels, they had to deem the Ottomans to be pagans, or or murtads, or apostates out of Islam, or heretics. So they did this through certain things, right, which were obviously not apostasy. And they said, at this point, your blood and your uh, wealth is halal. And they went up and shot up uh, anyone who uh, attributed himself to the traditional Islam of the Ottomans, right? So that they actually did this. So that was what how the Wahhabis established their state, right, and 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 their c- control over Mecca and Medina, right. And one of the one of the, we'll close this section out by saying that one of the beautiful one of the beautiful legacies of Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadili, rahimahullah, is that he insisted that people in his tariq there is no there's no being from the awam. Mm-hmm. It's a tariq so al yeah. If you're in the tariq, you study. And you become you a person that knows at least yep. your at least your father mm-hmm. at least minimal. And and the thing is with me is that um, I never like to talk about people, and it's impossible to classify people. Why would I talk mm-hmm. about groups and people? It's impossible to classify. Yeah. And number two, it's not my job, right, to assess who's saying what. If I come across someone who's saying something wrong, I'll address the idea, right, because I have no authority. To discuss to, about if I had if I was the sultan, I would outlaw all of it, right? If I was a sultan, I would control. You could control. You'd have the FDA, right? Food and Drug Administration for food, right? Very big uh, bureaucracy, bureaucratic operation, right? That is the gatekeeper of what food comes in the country and is sold, right? Or at least is sold legally. Well, you would have the same thing, right? For bid'a and heresy and. You'd have to make sure that none of this stuff gets sold publicly, right? Tapes, right. books, institutes, 
any Khalifa is obligated to do this. If you look in the books about the rules of a Khalifa or an Emir or King or whatever, he's got to protect the religion, right? So then he would have to go after every publication and check, make sure there's no, no uh, uh, heresies in here. He's got to go after the institutes, the tapes. Uh, I don't know how he's going to do it with the web, right? Well, China can outlaw Twitter, then, <laughs> then he could do it, right? But that's not my job. That's not who I am, right? So all I do is when I come upon an idea, I focus on the idea. Because like what you said, Moin, someone could have one idea from one group, but that's it. So, right. so I look at the one issue mm-hmm. and then clarify what that one issue is. And I'm not in the position, and nor should we be on you know trying to classify what the people are doing it's absolutely absolutely but we do we at the same time what what moyen is saying we can't deny either that there are social trends we all know right we all know there's this it's it's silly as well to pretend we all know don't know you know that there are is a group of people called salafis and they have some good things and some things that are off the wall some of my best friends are salafis yeah because you know you're not going to do anything haram in their presence Mm -hmm. right you might not be making dhikr either, right? Maybe but you'll not be doing haram. Maybe yeah. arguing a lot, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe haram. Argumentation is what the Prophet Sallallahu said, no people have gone astray after they were guided, except that Allah cursed them with argumentation. Mm. Right. So now, so ne- uh, yeah. go ahead. Just one last thing. On the dangers of the state. So yeah. This current trend, the last one we've been talking about, this only gained currency worldwide nation because, the, the, because the state that's true the emergence of the nation state they, they actually did the what, Saudi state what we're yeah. talking the about money. they actually yeah. did what you were talking about but they, the picked, they picked the wrong team yeah, right? they picked the wrong team and, and the result it, is a disaster among Saudi youth like apostasy homosexuality and, and even in the west because it, it, the, the, the dawah went out right? Yeah. like if you meet a convert in America from pre like 1980 1985 <clears> they're Hanafi or Maliki or Shafi yeah. and they're you know they have a tariq and yeah. and then you meet a convert who came in afterwards and mm-hmm. they're either salafi or former salafi. Yeah. So that's the so the next uh opposing group after you have extreme salafis is neo mu'tazila. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so when we say neo mu'tazila, uh I like to define that. Um right now so before like you said it was reason over revelation, right? Mm-hmm. The, the mu'tazila, the originals. Then we have the ones from today with reason over revelation. People saying things like, oh, I can have prayer with men and women side by side. This is accepted, mm-hmm. right? I can, uh, you know, have my own, you know, gay masjid. This is accepted. Yeah. I can uh, believe that I, you know, I could believe that all of the prophets, you know, you could go through any avenue you want yeah, and you yeah. could believe everyone you yeah, want, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's all peace and right. love because yeah. reason over revelation. Yeah, this right. is what makes sense to people. But it's not even, it's not even, I don't even think it's reason over It's not. Re- it's lo- it's, it's at a, this point, it's, it's becoming emotional it's, for It's revelation. just emotion and yeah. what's hot. It's like what's hot over revelation. Exactly. That's it's why. not even reason because there's internal inconsistencies within the logic. Uh-huh. So you can't even call it reason over. I, I'd be, I'd be kind of shocked to say, oh, you know what? It's re- this is a reasonable <laughs> position. <laughs> but at least, yeah, that's true. At least, if you wanted to debate with the original Mu'tazila, yeah. you, you better, be, you better you hit the study. books. You, you better, better know. Hit the <laughs> because that's why I said that you had to be on your logic. Yeah, you know what I mean, if you didn't, if your logic you need to was know your straight, stuff. you'd be like, okay, yeah, if I you're, don't know. and if you, you were, didn't know Muntik. Yeah, and you were debating with people who were righteous. Yeah. You weren't debating. You were with debating it. with Hafaz and Mufassirin and masters of Arabic. Yeah. Remember, that's why I said earlier, like, I wish I could say it's an intellectual battle, right. but these folks yeah. aren't even informed, yeah. right? 
So it's like you said, I have to be emotion over revelation. Yeah. So th- some people there wonder, what do you mean reason over revelation? So let me tell you what the Mautezalite people said. Mautezalite scholars used to say things like, um, used to say things like miracles. Miracles, we see cause and effect is required. Therefore, miracles are all allegorical, right? That's what we meant, what they meant by reason versus revelation, okay? So reason versus revelation is that they were applied their intellect and they believed if a doctrine did not make sense to their intellect, they had to re- basically reject it. So that's what we mean by reason. But yeah. the contemporary uh, manifestation of this is really culture and emotion mm-hmm. over revelation. And and these groups, and no I have foundation no, either. These what gr- they're saying in fi- five years from now is going to be totally the, different. The opposite of what they're saying yeah, today. Totally different. And these groups, I have no problem calling them out. So the perennialists, I have no problem calling them out. No problem at all. <laughs> we're, we're, well, that's not even a Muslim group. You know that. No, absolutely that's not, not Islam, right? If you are rejecting the obligation to believe in Sayyid Al-Qunayn, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that's what we call the first pillar of Islam, right? This is kufr, right? Straight, straight up, right? So if you're denying the obligation to believe in the Prophet peace be upon him. And you're saying that the other paths, we memorize this in Awadim, right? The Quran clearly says they believe in some prophets and reject others and wish to take this as a path. That means you believe that you cannot believe in the prophet and you're still fine, right? That's outside of Islam. And you know what the the thing is, though? They tout themselves as... Oh, we're not Salafis. We follow one of the Madahib. We and they'll quote are, Ibn Arabi as well. They'll, they'll, they'll quote yeah. some Sufi texts. So yeah. they they got everything going on. They got they got Gufiya. Uh huh. They they they're anti Salafi. Uh huh. They follow a Madhab. Yep. And then now they go and they 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 they're they're also academics in some and university. Probably sympathize with Shiites. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or Shiite oh, scholars. Oh, of course, some of them are Shia. Yeah, some of them are straight Ish. up Shia. Yeah. yeah so well, go ahead. You know the thing is, and this is the best question to ask. You say Sophia Perennis, right? Yeah. You say perennialism. And uh, you say eternal this, wisdom. Right. Yeah. You say this, this is, this is the, the way that you follow Islam. Ask them about Christians who also believe this. Mm-hmm. And if they consider those people to be also part of their philosophical group. Because now if you're saying that you're part of a madhab that includes non-Muslims, mm-hmm. then how are you Muslim? That's true. And how is that's it a Muslim madhab? Exactly. And they won't, they won't reject those people. They yeah, can't. They can't. Their, their ideology is that those people are included within the broader group of their philosophical view. In, yeah, in the Sophia Perennis, uh, uh, one of their public. If you look at any of their publishing houses, and they have a couple, they have Merton, who's a, what is he, a Catholic? Uh, he's from one of the orders of Catholicism. Yeah. They consider him a saint, right? He's modern, contemporary, like maybe 100 years ago, less than that. They have Kumaraswamy. A Hindu whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever the Hindu hierarchy is called. Right. And they consider them a saint. How could these things are all mutually exclusive? Right. So they're going to tell us, yes, but these reason is relative. Right. Theology is relative, just as the four methods are relative. And there are differences of opinion. Right. So we say, okay, fine. Tell us who, what is the higher spiritual source that told you all this is valid and accepted? And that these are just relative differences. Tell me, what is that higher source? And they have none. There is no higher source that told them this. Their higher source is Fritz Schaff Schwan, right? Fritz right. Schaff Schwan, the one who was uh, doing the child mal- whatever uh, situation in Indiana, went to court for that. Yeah, and and right. it's not just the perennialists, mm-hmm. right? It's also the feminazi groups. Groups. It's also the mm-hmm. right people who say that. Um, 
I don't know. Give me something. There's like there's like twenty trends it's, out there. It's now. also gender, by the way too many trends. Gender, Please. right? It's also the uh, heritage Muslim professors at universities. Uh-huh. Most of them who will say, "Well, I'm a Mu'tazilite." Yeah. Because this yeah. is a catch-all that allows them to be like, "I just raised it out." Exactly. I don't have to follow your strictures. Yeah. yeah exactly. And your traditions. Yeah, it's an uh-huh. appeal to reason. That's what it is. And they'll yeah. use that to say like, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm a Mu'tazilite." The meaning it's like, an appeal oh, I'm more to reason and also an appeal to culture. And, and the times. So, for example, saying something like, well, the f- uh, rulings change by time and place, yeah. right? You know, things like this. The appeal that they're actually revisiting. Mm-hmm. I remember I said, a man said to me, what is the ruling on life insurance, right? And I said, it's uh, haram on two accounts. It's a money-for-money money trade. You're going to pay money and get money back, right? Mm-hmm. There's no other object being traded here, right? So that's on that account with Ribbeth. Number two, it's a gharar, which means it's sale of the unknown. Meaning, you know what you're going to get back, which is, let's say, $100,000 or whatever, but you don't know what you're going to pay. You could pay whatever it is monthly for a month and die or for 70 more years and die. So you don't know what you're... So it's haram on two accounts, life insurance. Okay. Other types of insurance have uh, rukhsa because there is uh, uh, life or limb at stake. But this one is haram. So he says, well... Is there anyone maybe who has more nuanced approach? What? Right? Take a more nuanced. I mean, it's, see, they're using these catchphrases to me. Can someone make it halal for me? Right? Nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. Nuance is such a misused and overused term. Right? It's a great you know. term if used properly, but yeah. improperly, it's it's meaningless. Yeah. And and so that's why I feel that. The debates of the Salafis and the the Sufis from the nineties. I feel like we've yeah. we've now moved on from them at this. We've point. moved no, we've yeah. moved down. Yeah, we've become just, worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I was, I was. They've taken I, the back seat. Yeah. they've taken the back seat. That's not even a problem. It's still anymore. around. It's just taking the back seat. Yeah, it's taking yeah. the back seat. I may have mentioned this before, <laughs> but when I was in in London recently, uh, I was talking to uh, C. Abdul Ali. Oh. And he was telling me. Oh, about you met him face to face? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we hung well, out for on on uh, on on Friday after Jama. He's got to come. He's a good guy. Visit New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. You sh- you'd like to meet him. He's a really good yeah. guy. We talk so, all the time. So he uh, he was telling me that they have all these Salafi like issues and yeah. you know all the all the nineties issues that we're we're having in like the northeast. They have they still have them there in London. And I was saying I would trade that for what we have any day. Mm-hmm. Totally. Any totally. day. You know, because like, at least those people are people who. They disagree, but they disagree because they care about religion yeah. and they care about getting it right as opposed to what we have today, which are a lot of people who just want religion to adjust to them. Exactly. Yeah. And they want yeah. religion to be, even if it's wrong, as long as it's what they like. Yeah. And uh, it's like having pneumonia really bad yeah. and you're treating pneumonia and you're right. in the hospital for pneumonia. Then you get cancer, right? You're no longer treating pneumonia. You're treating the cancer now. Yeah. You got something worse. So... And pneumonia is a thing of the past. No, it's not a thing of the past. It's just it's still there. Something worse came along, right? Something more basic has come along, right? Uh, more fundamental issue, you know, has come along. And that's like why I, I feel yeah. like now people are in a crisis. And I want to close here because we're almost we're we're hitting a time here. But now I feel like people are in a crisis. We took them through a timeline, right? And I, and I like to just review, right? First was the Ridda Wars. Yeah. Then we went to post Khalifa, mm-hmm. right? Then we had the formation of the schools of Aqidah, right? Uh, Ashari, Maturidi, Athari, right? The formation of formal creed and the Mu'tazila. Mm-hmm. Then, once everything got normal, then you have the Ghufiya, 
The goofing, yeah. Yes, right? You have people who started doing crazy things in the name of the yeah, Goofy Sufis. Basically. Goofy Sufis. Yeah. Then came the extreme then then came the Salafis. Yeah. The extreme Salafis. The response. The, the response, response to the yeah, Goofy yeah. Sufis. Yeah. Then actually the Protestant Reformation, you could yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the Protestant Reformation <laughs> the Goofies the the, yeah. the Salafil, right? Came after the Goofies. Then we have after that, I would say actually post the extreme Salafis, we have the normalization of the Salafis, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so a coming together of the four Madahib, people normalizing out, and that's where we got to. Then we have the Neo Mu'tazila. Yeah, which right? are the reform groups. The reform groups, yeah. which is the cancer to the, uh, what do we say, pneumonia, right? I, I the cancer say, yeah, to the I pneumonia. I would say it's leukemia for the body. <laughs> it's leukemia for the iman of people and the ummah. And that's why it's, that's this is one of the reasons I told you that uh, the Salafis, like we just said, you know, they are fighting this too. Right? Absolutely. And they're with us yeah. uh, side by side fighting this thing. So, and this is a cancer. I'm telling you, the next phase after this is Ridda, leaving Islam. Why would you this is, remain one of those people? Yeah. And right? This is why I almost yeah. choked before on the popcorn when you said yeah. the, the pre-Ridda. Yeah, because right. that's where it's at. Yeah. That's yeah. What this, it is. this is what it is. It's the, there's the, but it's but the what's, wor- what's worse than that is before just flat out leaving Islam, they're going to like... Dismantle it. Yeah, dismantle it. So internally. they don't feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. Until the darkness becomes in, so much. In the sense that, like, it would be better if they, they would just be like, all right, no, I'm out. Like, I'm done yeah. with this. You know, yeah. as, as opposed to trying to uh, change it and adapt mm-hmm. it to, you know, the reason the, being the standards is that there's today. still in, enough Muslims to make such an individual feel guilty, right? That he actually has to intellectually dismantle it, right? To make himself not feel guilty. But now this man or woman. Are going to be a parent. This person is going to be a parent. You're going to raise a child, right? What religion are you going to give him that's worth keeping? If you've right. dismantled everything as a PhD graduate student or whatever, right? Now, fast forward 20 years and you have a 10 year old, right? You got to give him some religion. Right? You got to give him something, mm-hmm. right? They might not give him anything at all, right? So now you have this kid who is the next generation of reformists. Why would he care at all about the subject? You have intentionally or otherwise basically given him nothing. So with this kid, why would I identify myself as a Muslim, right? Uh, when it's such politically stigmatic, right? It's a stigma. So I'll stop identifying as a Muslim completely. Well, there is the one reason that a lot of these people will still want to continue identifying as a Muslim because we live in the age of identity politics. Mm. And giving yourself a minority, oppressed minority exactly. identity oh, that's true. is that's real that's awesome very for, when you have, for when you meet up with uh, all the other weirdos. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Until so. until uh, that identity politics gets crushed by an actual yeah. physical consequence, you know? If, like, it could be identity politics all you want as long as it's on Twitter. Yeah. As soon as the actual there's a physical consequence to you being you whatever you are, yeah. you'll see all these people when the Mongols know, come. Yeah, basically. So yeah. I'm gonna make a point here because um, I truly believe that if someone's intelligent enough, right, they can usually make a point about anything, right? Yeah. Which a layperson, if they don't have the tools, won't be able to disassemble, disassemble and understand. Right. So somebody might be thinking this. For example, let's say there's a Salafi. They're gonna say it's like, what do you mean? You know. The Salafis are with us. You mean the Sufis are with us, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they think we're the Sufis, right? Yeah. So, like, I want to go back to that monolithic group thing. One, it's everything is not black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is a gray. And really, 
the middle path balance falls within gray and understanding all of those like points of, yeah. of contention right so you know ahl sunnah wal jamaah right mm-hmm. is hanafi shafi maliki and hanbali right? all this is ahl sunnah all of this is ahl sunnah right and so we are muslim and you're general muslim Mm-hmm. Exactly Default Muslim Exactly and, yeah. and so there's some General Muslims Who don't even know What the four madhabs are They just yeah. They just follow What their local imam local Taught imam, them yeah. right That this is the Hanafi madhab Or the Shafi madhab And they follow this mm-hmm. And so I'd like to make a point here That not So because the regular person Listening to this Might be thinking You're telling me That the books that I have In my house are tampered You're mm-hmm. telling me that Popular popular Like institutes And blogs Are also Giving me wrong information You're telling me That you know, celebrities are now like, you know, celebrity, like people are, what, what pro, are like neo Yeah, right? you're They're talking given, about like your, your local celebrity heretics. Yeah, you know, yeah, so they're celebrity heretics. So it's like, again, it comes back to the common person is just thinking, I should just not leave my house anymore because, <laughs> right? That's, that's the thing. That's why I always say I feel bad for people. And the people, someone's thinking, we're, we're, we're not just talking theology for fun here. We need to be guided. The point of this episode, we need to be guided. We need to know, right, what is it that we should avoid? Because actually, the stand, starting point of the Prophet ﷺ is innocence. Everything begins as innocent. Until otherwise. So we say you're common general Muslim. We just want to be a good Muslim, right? We The starting point is innocence. And my message is very simply. Avoid these four things. The four things being, all right, emotion and like Saad said, Alex, I don't know if you heard him. Uh, we saw reason over revelation. Saad says there's no reason at all. It's emotion mm-hmm. over revelation. Avoid this. Emotion over revelation, all right? Culture over revelation, etc. Right, if Allah and His Prophet said something, that's the religion, regardless of whether the whole world is against it or not. Right, that's the first thing. Second thing, the uh, attacks on the Sahaba don't even sympathize or mingle with it at all. Right, don't even come near it. Right, you don't want it coming into your household. Attack on Sahaba is attack on uh, the sources of the religion. Number two, the mujassima, the anthropomorphism with God, don't even come near it. Right, and number fourth, number four, the gufiyah. All right, I go into a maulid, okay, but there's mingling and there's you smell perfume and this is like not even Dean anymore, right? Uh, so the gufia, which by the way we love the maulid, by the way, right? But uh, this gufia is this goofy Sufi types where there's no religion, but there's Sufism somehow. If a common Muslim, <laughs> right? if, if 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 you just avoid these four you'll find the bulk of the ummah is avoiding these four. So you're fine. You're going to be fine, right? The right. bulk of the people, uh, uh, your common mosque-going things, won't even t- come near these things. But we're at the point you can't just say, oh, let me just go and be regular. No, there's attacks happening. There is no army to protect you. You need to be learned, right? Uh, studying aqidah guards your, your... It's a palace, it's not the food inside the palace. The food inside the palace is stories of the righteous and all the heartwarming stories, right? And and how we can pray and, and make dua and make dhikr. That's the food and the enjoyment inside the palace. But we are saying the palace itself yeah. has to be guarded. Put up the fortress right. walls. Put up the fortress walls. And these are the four, uh, like the rook in the chessboard, right? These are the four. You look out for any of these four, you will really, the bulk of things that will harm your aqidah will be gone. Sheikh, and when you say study aqidah, you mean, A, don't just read books by yourself? 
uh, study aqidah means look for someone to, that teaches aqidah and, and has a re- good reputation for and teaching with aqidah. chains and, and teaches with a chain of transmission to his teacher and he had a teacher and he had a teacher and teaches aqidah tahawiyah for it instance tahawiyah not anything that was written in the last 400 years mm-hmm. and we have to revive we have to revive jahorat tawhid because tahawiyah can be taken one way or the other right but we have to revive Jahar Sahid has covered more detail, right? Is there like a translation, actual translation of Jahar Sahid? Uh, with the commentary? With the commentary, yeah. Because so. you need the commentary. Basically, yeah. Jahar Sahid opens the door yeah. on so many issues that not only just polemical, debated issues, but common questions like what is the meaning of Salah and Salam? Right. Uh, why did, how is it that Allah forgives after he swears that he will punish, right? Then how does he forgive? Then how do I know whether or not to take seriously all of his threats so many what is the difference between qada and qadr so many aqidah things that come up are in that book right and it should be like a honestly it should be studied by 7th grade yeah if yeah. i was running islamic school you spend 7th grade studying it you know 7th grade you know uh, a lot of islamic schools have the opportunity to do this right and they need to start beefing up their theology portion because i would spend all of high school on polemics right i was in all of high school on st- studying deeply the answers to the qu- the common questions they're going to see in college and in adult life right and that's why like one the most important point is to remember is you know allah is the one who guides right so it's like we, we place our faith in allah because there's a lot of attacks that happen now mm-hmm. right so it's like one you have to place your faith in allah and inshallah allah guides us all mm-hmm. um, but i'd like to qu- uh, close and with closing uh i'd like to make one point here um unless you know you have uh, explicit permission by safina society especially this episode please don't clip it up and post like one specific clip that you know dr shadi or one of us said uh, and 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 say that Safina says this or holds his view. If mm-hmm. you're gonna post the episode, post the entire episode from the beginning to the end. I would say actually for any of our episodes, mm-hmm. please take our explicit permission before you know taking a clip and and yeah. posting it somewhere. There is yeah. a website. I don't. I can't remember what it's called. But I he asked me if I he could take from my pod uh, from my uh, uh, live, live streams. streams. Yeah. So I gave him permission for that. Uh, but for the podcast, you're going to go to uh, the Safina Society admin and yeah. discuss it directly with them. Yeah, go to podcast. The podcast is different from my live stream. It's just like open for everyone. The podcast is, covers a lot, uh, some other different things. So uh, go directly to the Facebook page and you can take permission from them there. Yeah, so you email the page, Facebook page go to or email podcast at safinasociety.org uh, if you want to, you know, take a clip or share uh, or you want to post it separately from our own account you're welcome to share our facebook links or or youtube whatever you post and also by the way we're going to do an online class okay we're going to start we've never done an online class before but i figure we're going to do an online class and we're going to do it on the lives of men right Mm. the five stages of uh human existence before this life this life the life of the grave the day of resurrection and then heaven or hell being the five stages of the lives of men and that'll be on a tuesday night and the date of we'll start uh we'll see inshallah we'll um, give we'll an announcement inshallah. Inshallah. Yeah. okay so inshallah let's close up uh so thank you everyone